So what's kind of neat is the pictures that we're just shine, showing, you know, the picture you saw with Dave with the hat, the Russia little hat, and the guy in the background that was drinking the coffee, his name's Sasha. Last year, when Joe and I were in Russia in May, Sasha came to one of the services. He was, his body was, you could smell the alcohol pouring, coming out through his pores. It was their, um, it was their victory day is what they call it, which is their independence day, kind of their, kind of like our 4th of July. So it was a big deal for them. And Sasha showed up at the service, um, God had given me a word for somebody. I didn't know who it was. So I, I just said, I, I believe that, you know, somebody in here has this. And I said whatever it was. At the end of the service, Sasha got, got saved and um, received Jesus, which was awesome. And, and we keep seeing pictures of him pop up where he's now on the worship team playing drums and he's serving in the church. And, and his, you know, with his wife, they went to one of the marriage retreats that we help facilitate. And, and it's just, it's, it shows the impact of what even us here in Warsaw, with the little bit that we're able to do, can have on, um, on a people on the other side of the world. So it's, it's exciting. So, it, so if you want to know more, just pick up one of these little brochures. They're in the back on the, on the table um, and, and you could just know more or just talk to myself or Dave and, and uh, we'll get you plugged in if you want to go. So, so one of the things that took place this week is I went to see Dave at his work. And um, if you know, Dave runs a, a factory of, at the time there was a hundred plus people on the floor of the factory. And so, so when I got to the, to the building, I had to push this little buzzer and then they, they opened the door and let me in. And then the, this girl met me and, you know, asked me, you know, why I was there. And I said, I was here to see Dave. And then she had me sign in on this, this clipboard. Dave came and picked me up. And then we, uh, he gave me a tour of the factory before we went into his office to have a conversation. And so as we're walking around his factory, he's introducing me and he's saying, hey, so-and-so, this is my pastor, Tom. And he just kept saying, this is my pastor, this is my pastor. And I, I don't know how I feel about that, but okay, if he wanted to do that. So, so we're sitting in his office and we're having this conversation and Dave's the, the big dog of the building. So he has the office with all the windows and, you know, the big office in the corner. And so, you know, as we're sitting there talking, he's watching people pass through and he could see. And all of a sudden, the same woman who, who checked me in on the clipboard passes by and he waves her in and, she, and he says, oh, you need to meet her. Um, she goes to such and such church and she's, she's a real prayer warrior. And, and so she came in and he introduced me to her and he said, he said, was her name Rachel? He said, Rachel, this is, this is my pastor, Tom. And she said to me, she goes, well, you don't look like a pastor. I told her I was undercover. I said, well, I'm, I'm undercover, but, and we just, you know, talked and, and moved on. Well, as I went and got in my car, I realized, I was starting to say, what is a pastor supposed to look like? Like, am I, should I start dressing a certain way? Do I need to change who I am because I'm a pastor and this person didn't recognize me? And she was a nice girl. She wasn't, you know, saying anything wrong or anything. I, I was, because of the message, I was kind of internalizing this. And I was, what am I supposed to look like? If, if I'm supposed to be a pastor, what, how am I supposed to look to the people I meet if, if I'm supposed to look a certain way? And, and, I, and I, I realized... How, how many times do people say something to us and it causes us to question who we are? It causes us to question our identity. Has that, has that ever happened to you where somebody has made a comment or say, say, says something to you and, you and you start to question, well, who am I? 
And, and one of the things that I get to do, it's, it's kind of what I find exciting about being a pastor is I get to meet with people one-on-one, sometimes while they're in crisis. So life hits somebody and, and it's tough. And a lot of times people call the pastor and say, hey, can we talk? Or we set up. And so we, get, we go into the office and we start talking and we, we spend some time getting to know each other. And one of the things that I find is oftentimes with Christians... A lot of times these are Christians that I'm meeting with that it boils down to an identity situation that has caused them to fall into the place that they're in. That, That when we talk about it and they start telling me about whatever the life situation is, they start declaring things about themselves that are different than what God says about them. And so we end up working and talking about identity when we talk to people in our, in our office. And so, 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 so really I wanted to just kind of set this up that maybe at some point in your life, somebody has said something to you that's negatively affected you. Somebody has called you something or declared something over you, and now you put on a set of lenses, and that's how you view yourself, and you see the world through that set of lenses based on how, how you view yourself. Think about if that's ever happened to you. So I'll tell a story about my wife, Joe. So Joe, I believe, keeps a very, very clean house. If you don't agree and you've been to my home, just shh, okay? But I think if you come to our house, you'll find that yeah, we have a fairly, a, a, I would say a, a really clean house. And it's just always been. Some of our biggest arguments as a couple is because Joe will never stop cleaning. We will have dinner. I will have been at work all day, come home tired, have dinner, want to relax, and out comes the vacuum cleaner, you know? Or, or we will, one time the vacuum cleaner got thrown at me because of a disagreement we had. Uh, uh, there's two of us and it got thrown at me. You guys decide. If we have a, a group over, a party, or somebody comes over, a group of people in the house, you know, we finish this party and it's 10 o'clock at night, it's like, let's cash in and go to bed. She, I'll wake up the next morning and the house will be put back together exactly pre-party because she cannot, in her head, she cannot just let it go and has to, uh, has to clean it. But, but I benefit from this, right? I, I get to live in a clean house. Here's, here's the thing. Years and years ago, somebody made the comment, Joe, I don't think you keep a very clean house. Now, she's always kept a clean house from the day we've ever been married and her house when we were dating was super clean. But, you know, a year or so into our, into our marriage, somebody made the comment, I don't think you keep a clean house. I don't want to come to your house. And the person said, because your baseboards have dust on them. Do you know that my wife has the cleanest baseboards in all of Warsaw today because of this? Our house is not clean until she's taken the vacuum with the little brush and walked around and cleaned all the baseboards because somebody once made a comment that wasn't fair and it wasn't true and it was, a, it was a judgment call on her. But what it did is it planted a seed to have her say, in order for me to have a clean house, I have to make sure my baseboards are always dusted and, and that they're clean. So you could come check. Bring your white gloves and you'll check and we have pretty clean baseboards. <laughs> so, so, so this is how sometimes our identity can be adjusted just by some, some, somebody says. Now, here, here's, the, here's the flip side of that. A lot of times our identity is set up not by a negative, but it could be a positive. So let's say in school you're a great athlete, and everybody says, man, you're, you're an awesome athlete. Have you seen this? Like when we were in high school, those awesome athletes, that was their identity, right? They were so-and-so. He is great as a basketball player. She's a great swimmer. You know, they're great such and such. 
And, and, and our achievements in life become the place of where we find our identity. In, in the work world, if you make a lot of money, that becomes your identity. Hey, I'm secure. I make a lot of money. Or I've, I've received and achieved a position in my, in my business that's elevated me up, and I, I, I'm somebody now. And that becomes our identity. So here, here's what we're going to do. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about identity, and, and we're going to attack it in kind of a, a different way. I, I think the way this thing kind of morphed was we, we set out to, to have this series called Bookends, and it, th- as we started preparing it, it morphed into an identity thing. And the reason I think it's important for us to do this is that I have this idea that if everybody in this room who claims to be a follower of Jesus fully walked in the identity that we were created to have. We understood our identity and we were able to not walk in the identity that we've, we've placed on ourselves or other place on ourselves. The question is, if we all walked in our, our God-given identity, the way God sees us, what would we look like? What would Warsaw look like? How would we be to the community of Warsaw and how would we worship God? Would it, would it be different? And, and so I say, what if? What if we all grabbed hold of this idea that our identity is not in maybe what you think you are now, but it's different? And we were able to make adjustments in our life to where we fully sat in our identity with how Christ sees us or how God sees us. What would what would be what would be different about us individually, and what would be different about us as a church? And frankly, I desire for that to be the case. And so here, as we go through the next few weeks. Each week at the end of this, at the end of this, this message, we're going to have an assignment. And, and here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you to take and do the assignment. The assignment will take you 15 minutes between Monday and the following Sunday. I'm going to ask that you would do the assignment. You would record what you find in the assignment, and I'll explain that at the end. And then you monitor over the next few weeks what God does in your heart to adjust the identity that you're sitting with right now and, and maybe the identity he would like you to say. So, so you have to make that commitment if you'll do that. But this is what the next few weeks are going to look like. We're, we're calling it bookends. Today we're going to talk about perfection and that in creation we were, we were made in the image of God. Next week will be the problem and that our, our stolen identity through sin. Then there's the plan, the restored identity through Jesus. And um, the fourth week we'll talk about paradise, the perfected identity in eternity. And so um, that's what the next few weeks, and there's actually going to be a fifth one um, at the end of that, and I think it's going to be called Your Assignment. So I'm, I'm working on that still. But, but in order for us to understand our God-given identity, we have to go back to the beginning, right? And so if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1, because it's the beginning, not of your life, but the beginning of all creation. And um, Genesis chapter 1, if you open your Bible and you look at the very first verse in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created and then it says, in the beginning, God created. Do you see that there? And so, so I want to paint this picture for you. And I, w- my hope in painting this picture is you understand the hugeness of what God created. Okay, the, 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 the complexity of what God created. So it says, in the beginning, God created. And the verse ends by saying, the heavens and the earth. So just think about what that means. What it means that he created the heavens and the earth. So we, we, we can see the earth as this globe, right? But think about the heavens that are surrounding that. The ones that, that telescopes are able to peer in and see the galaxies. And ones that, that telescopes aren't big enough to see. Just think about the creation, the, the enormous 
that I don't even have a word for it. The hugeness, that's a word. I just, if not, I just made it up. The hugeness of, of God's creation. He created the heavens and the earth. And you can read down through chapter one and it just starts listing all the different things that he created. So he, he created the, the light and darkness. So when the sun rose this morning and when the sun goes down and the stars come out, God created that. He, he created space and sky and, and the difference, the, the, the gap between the heavens and the earth. He created the, the rivers and the oceans and the streams and the lakes and he separated that and out came ground. He created the fish and the sea creatures. As you read down, this is what it's listing. He created vegetation. He created livestock, all sorts of animals, it says, livestock, and small animals, and wild animals. And as you get down towards the end, verse 26, I think it is, it says that after he created all this, he looked over his creation, and he said, this is good. He says, this is good. What I have created is good. So here, here's, here's the picture that we have to just try and, try and hone in, that when, if you go and... Um, if you look at a cactus, God created a cactus to live in a desert. And he made that cactus so it can live and adapt and evolve in the conditions of the desert. That blows me away. How about we think about like a little spider or a little tiny, tiny creature. How that spider, that creature moves along and, and, and adjusts and, and is able to eat and do its stuff. Or or a tree with the leaves and how, you know, photosynthesis and all this. God created this stuff. It, when I'm creating something, I'll skip steps a lot of times. Rick and I were installing a window in our house. It's not Rick's fault. This is going to be completely on me because Rick doesn't make these kind of mistakes. But we were installing this window in our house and we got the window installed and we, we trimmed it out on the outside. It was awesome. We went in and, and we built the trim and installed the trim. And at the end, it's all nailed up and looked good. And I said, hey, Rick, we forgot to, to caulk the inside of the window before we put the trim in, like to seal it up from, you know. We had it, we had it nailed. It was done. It's going to be good enough. <laughs> it's going to be fine. We're not, God didn't do that. He, he, in his creation, he, he was able to cover every little thing, to think about every little thing. Do you get the picture of how huge that is? How detailed and how complex that is? Think about one aspect of your life, hair. I'm looking at you, Krista. And just think about how hair grows, how the follicle works. You know it better than I do. Is that like complex, right? <laughs> she knows it better than I do in multiple reasons because <laughs> as you can see, and she owns a hair salon. But, um, but just think how complex that is. And, and that's what God created. So do you, do you get this picture? Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon and you stood on the rim of the Grand Canyon and you looked out and you're kind of in awe, aren't you? That, wow. Or have you ever been to, to, um, to Colorado, to the Rocky Mountains? and looked up at the mountains, or been driving through the Rocky Mountains, and you're just like, wow, this is amazing. Have you ever laid out, like on a summer night, out in the country, where there's no light pollution from the, a nearby town or city, and the stars just seem to lay like a blanket on top of you? And God created this. And, and when I think about the stars God created, it's like he created these beautiful stars, and you're just like, that is amazing. And God said, well, hold on a second. And he lets one twinkle or he causes one to shoot across the sky. 
This is what God created and God said it is good. Do you get this picture, okay? Do you get that? So this is all the handiwork of God. The hugeness of of God. The heavens and the earth. And then God creates mankind. Look at this in verse 26. It says, God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So he creates this entire earth, heavens and the earth, all the details, all the complexity. And here's what I see. I see God say, let's put the cherry on the top. Or I see him say, let me sign my creation with mankind. Let me, let me create mankind in my image so all will know that I created everything. Do you see that? He created you. He created me. And then at the end of chapter one, he says, it was very good. Get the picture of what he created, how he created you, that you are very good. He signed his creation with an image of you. With you as he created. If you ever had, in the early 90s, mid-90s, Thomas Kincaid. Who has a Kincaid hanging in their house? (laughs) You can admit it. We won't harass you too much. I don't see, Dad, you can raise your hand. You have a Kincaid hanging in your house. Thomas Kincaid, you guys know this name, right? Thomas Kincaid, you know, the painter of lights, right? If you ever look at a Kincaid, he'll, he'll sign it, and then there'll be this little number, a 12 or a 7. Do you guys know what that number is? So what he does is in all his paintings, he'll, his wife is named Annette. He'll put the letter N throughout, hide it throughout all his paintings. And so you cannot, you cannot look at a Kincaid and, and mistake that this is a Kincaid because if you start looking, there's little N's throughout it. And so we, we once had a Kincaid and we had 12 or so ends. And, you know, like there was an old car in the, in the driveway and on the license plate, there was a little N or the, you know, the, the people's name on the mailbox had a, was started with an N or a bridge of the, you know, the, the trusses of the bridge are ends. And he, he does this to sign his, his work. And, and that's the picture I want us to grab hold of is that when he created mankind in his image, he's signing his work and he's saying, this is my creation and it is very good. We are created by God, and then we are created in his image. Let's explore that just a little bit. Do you guys know this picture of this guy? Who is that? Who's that guy? Andy Griffiths. Now, here's the problem we had this week. Mary and I had trouble trying to come up with a picture that we thought everybody would know that wasn't a controversial picture. Like, you know, we threw Hitler up there. Somebody might have a trouble with that. Um, <laughs> we had a picture of um, Kip Winger. Who would have known a picture of Kip Winger? Yeah, exactly. It was a joke, but we took it down and we came up with Andy Griffiths. Now, now who, who, tell me again, who is this guy? Yeah, but that's not Andy Griffith, is it? What is that? It's an image of Andy Griffith, right? But when you see that image, who do you know that that image is of? Andy Griffith, right? Do you get the picture? If we were made in God's image, when, when, when I look at Tom, I should be seeing an image of God because he was made in God's image. It's a reflection of God. 
So Tom, God made you in his image. That's your identity. You are made in the image of the creator that created this huge, huge world that we live in. And you are very good. Creepy, huh? That I'm staring at you and we're doing that? So when God looks at you, he sees an image of himself. This is how God sees you. So if God was looking in it and wanted to see a reflection of himself, maybe he would see this right here. Look at Rick and Sheila up there in the top corner. If that was on Facebook, I'd give you a like, Sheila. Verse, 20, verse 7 of chapter 2. I don't think it's going to be up there, but it says this. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a loving person. This is what separates us from the rest of God's creation. It says God formed the animals from the dust of the ground. God formed man from the dust of the ground. Just picture this like clay, okay? And God forms you. And here's your body but you're not alive yet. You're just a a body. And God takes and he blows his breath into you and that becomes life. This is who you are. All week long, I was having this picture of a a balloon and I was thinking, you know, if if this was a youth ministry thing, I could do this like a little object lesson, right? And I was gonna take this balloon and then blow the balloon up. and, And by me blowing the balloon up, is where the life comes from, right? Where the balloon becomes like an actual, hey, that's a balloon. If it's just a balloon sitting on the thing, it's like, yeah, it's just a balloon. But when we blow it up and there's, there's breath put into it, that's when life happens. As we were praying this morning, um, Cynthia had, had this picture. I hadn't shared my balloon little analogy. And she said, I have this picture of, of balloons being filled with the breath. Of, did you say with the breath of God? With, God, with the word of God being filled up. And these balloons are floating. They're like helium balloons and they're floating. And, and some of us need to come to the point of grabbing a hold of that balloon because that's how we were created. And then the question came, what does it mean to grab hold of that balloon? That's a good question, right? Because I tell you, hey, if, you, if your identity right now is sitting in something other than that you are made in the image of God, and I say, you just need to grab hold of that, you may say, well, what does it mean to just grab hold of that? Well, what it means is to recognize that, the, it, that the, the lenses that you're wearing of who you think you are because of what you've been told, whether in school, whether as an adult, whatever, whatever other situation in your life, may not be the, the, the exact view of how God sees you. But if, if, you, if you're struggling with that, to, to, to dismiss that and to, to step into and say, God, I want, I want to grab hold of how you see me. I want to be walking this world in the image that you see me because that's the true way that I was created. And so, so we, can, we can take and say, I know that I'm living in a place where I view myself differently than what God views me. Because God views me as this perfect image that he created me to have relationship with him with. And, and we know that, and we'll cover this next week, that something caused there to be a separation of that, and that's sin. And because of that, we view ourselves way differently than what God, how God wants us to view ourselves in the way that he views us. And so we need to grab hold of that balloon and say, I'm going to ride this one. God, I'm, I'm, I'm your child. I was created by you, the great creator. I am created in your image. I reflect you. I reflect who you are. And so for one person, maybe there's one person in here that just needs to understand that balloon analogy, that picture. And, and, and if, if that resonates with you, if you, if you say, yeah, I kind of, 
I kind of get that. Then um, when we prayed this morning, we felt like maybe there was, there was somebody that just needed to respond to that. And so at the end of service, if, if, if you've been struggling with your identity or just through this talk, that's something that you're picking up on. I want you to just come up and get prayed for and just give that to God and thank God for how he created you. But when he, when he, when he breathes the breath of life into us, it separates us from, from the rest of creation. So God, Father, Son, and Spirit, he breathes life into mankind, and through the dust we get a body, and through his breath we get a soul, and we get our spirit, and that makes us a, a three-part system. It allows us to critically think. It allows us to process and to rationalize and to think through situations, to reason. It gives us some social reality. It allows us to relate to people. We're made as people to want to be in, in fellowship with others. God says it's not good for man to be alone. It gives us some moral responsibility. It allows us to, to, to understand that we are created as righteous beings. We are created without sin. We were created without death. We were created to righteous in God's eyes. And we can make choices in our life based on that, that image of God that we are created to have. It allows us to commune with, with the Father. It allows us to, to have relationship with him. So we're created in the image of God. It's our identity. When, you, when God looks at you, he sees something that's very good. He sees a reflection of himself. Do you, do you get that? Have I driven that home enough? So, so, then, so then the next question is, why? Why did he create us in this way? And, and the answer is that he's created, we, we were created for his glory. It says in Isaiah 43, it says, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. I was, it was I who created them. So we are created for God's glory. And so, so here's the thing. God's a glorious person. We, we can't add to his glory. So what does this mean? Maybe a word that we need to understand is we are created to magnify God to this world. We are created to bring honor, to glorify God. And there's two ways that we can magnify something. The first is through a, a microscope, right? You could take something that's very tiny and put it in a microscope and blow it up real big. And that's not, that's not the God that we're, we, we worship, right? That's not the creator. Is not, we, don't, we don't need to make him bigger than what he is. So the second way is we magnify is like through a telescope where we take something that's so huge that we can't hardly fathom or see and we pull it in and we make it so that people can see. So what does that mean? That means when, when I'm walking on this earth, when people see me, it should, it should magnify the Lord. It should bring glory to God by who I am and how I move in my image of him. God created and placed his image in seven billion. Think about that. There's like seven billion people in this world. Seven billion works of art to glorify himself. That identity has been stolen in, a, in us and we need to get back to the place where we recognize we are made in God's image to glorify him. Colossians 10.31 says this, says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When I read that, I, I think about basically everything, every part of who I am should be showing glory to God, should be reflecting who God is. Then I have to ask, do I do that? Is that really how I reflect? Do I reflect God's glory in every part of me? I came to the, to, to the realization that before I'm concerned 
with what I'm supposed to look like as a pastor. I need to be concerned with what I look like in God's eyes. That I need to understand how God sees me because that's where I should have my identity seated. Before we're concerned or, or, or continue to live in the way that somebody has told us we are as a child or as an adult or as a teenager, we need to understand how God sees us and make that our foundation of life. Then the what if, what, what would happen, I think we would start to see changes. I think if we came to a point of really saying, I really know who I am in, in God. I really know how God views me. It, could, it would adjust what our day-to-day looks like. So, so here's the assignment. Here's the assignment, okay? It's real easy. The first one is to ask God to show you how he sees you. So this is, this is an exercise that we've done with people, and, and it's, it's pretty powerful. God speaks. When we pray, God hears, and God speaks back. It's not a one-way conversation. And so here, here, here's your assignment, to find some time during the week where you're not distracted, where you can sit with a, a pad of paper for a few minutes and simply just ask God, God, what do, you, what do you think about me? And then wait a few seconds and see what he, how he responds. What do you think about me, God? God, who, who am I to you? How do you see me? How's our relationship? Just ask some questions like that. And then write it down. Now, now here's the tr- struggle you might have. You may say, how do I know that God speaks? Well, you'll know, or God will give you a picture, or God will give you a word, or God will give you a thought. And oftentimes when we pray and ask God something, he responds pretty quickly. And so sometimes those words or those pictures or thoughts can come out kind of awkward, can sound kind of weird, but write it down. And then ask God what it means if, you're not, if you don't understand it. But here's what I'd bet. I'd bet if you, if you take some time and you say, God, what, what do you think about me? You'll start hearing words like, I love you. You'll start hearing words like, you're, you're important to me. You'll start hearing words like, I see you as a compassionate person. You'll start hearing things like, I see you as a strong person. And a lot of times, what he tells you will sound foreign to you because you haven't been told that in your life by your surrounding environment. And so, and so that's the first, the first thing is to ask God, how he sees you. This could be something that I would hope everybody would commit to do one time. But maybe you can press in and walk through it in your quiet time. If you, if you have a set-aside time during the week where you go and just spend some time with God, maybe make this part of that this week. Spend a couple times asking God, how do, what do you see in me? How do you see me, God? Two is write down what he shows you. Three is to thank him for creating you in his image. So when, when you receive that and you write it down, go back and say, God, I thank you. Agree with him that that's the truth about you, that that's, that's how he created you. And then commit to be a person that glorifies him. Commit to be a person that says, in everything I do, when I'm eating, when I'm drinking, when I'm lying down, when I'm at work, when I'm at play, I want to glorify you in my attitude, in my actions, in my life. Let me be a reflection of you and me. That's the assignment. Can we commit to that? Yes, everybody said yes. yes. Everybody said yes. That means it's done. Next week I'll check. Why don't you stand with me? I want to press just a little bit about this identity thing because 
I, again, maybe tipping my cards a little bit for next week. I, there's a verse in John, John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and then Jesus is saying, but I've come that you would have life and life abundantly. And, and I'm really convinced. I, I've not heard, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm fully convinced that the first thing the, st- the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy is our identity. I'm convinced of it. And I, and I think we'll see that next week in chapter 3 of Genesis with the fruit, the garden, the apple, if you will. I think what, what the thief did in the conversation with Eve, the serpent with Eve, was, was lie and still and adjust and make her believe a lie about her identity. And that's what left. I'm convinced of that. So, so if that's true, if that's how the thief works, if that how, is that how the enemy of, of, of God, Satan, works, if he steals our identity, then we have to understand that. Where, where have I believed something that's not true about myself? And so, and so just in this talk with the picture of the balloon rising up and just this need to grab hold of that and say, I need to grab hold of, of, the, of the word of God, the word of God that says you are made in my image. If, if, that's, if that resonated with you during this, at the end of this song, there's going to be people up here. Would you come up and just say, yeah, the balloon thing, you know, meant something to me. And they'll just encourage you and pray with you. It's, it's, not, it's not weird. We just want to, we want to ask God to join in with what he's doing in our lives already. And this is just one way we do it. If you have a need of any kind, if, if you um, are struggling with something, if you just need somebody to, to um, agree with you and ask God to be a part of whatever is happening in your life, there's people up here that will be happy and, and are expecting to pray. So, so come on up for that. And then uh, we'll finish with worship and then have a great Sunday. So Jesus, we, we thank you that you, uh, that you saved us. We thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that when you created this, this great universe, that we were, we were what you made in your image. We are who you thought of and said, I, I want to make mankind in my image, and that's what you produce. So thank you for that. God, would you be working in our hearts? Would you be encouraging us of, of how you see us, how our identity should be within you? Would you be making tweaks and adjusts in our hearts? God, would you, would you be um, just speaking and nudging to us and, and to individuals even right now who, who have been walking in an identity different than how you've created us? Would you be nudging to just to take action against that and to say, I, I need to dismiss the things in my life that, that aren't true, that I've been told or I believe, and I, I need to embrace the truth that I'm made in the image of God and I'm made for relationship with him. God, would you give us the courage just to, to admit those, those areas that need to be adjusted and, and the strength to adjust them? Lord, we'll do this for your glory. Our lives are to, to show, show your glory, to praise and to worship you. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen.